fungus. Feed the 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 fungus. Good morning. 7.19 in the morning. We got an hour to go. I'll be off this main street here in a second. I was just listening to Lex Friedman's podcast, talking about computational evolution and <clears throat> simulating the world. Like, what if you were to run the world a million times? Would you get a different outcome? Would you get humans? And uh, I just had this an idea that I wanted to share with you. Well, first of all, um, the whole idea of the labyrinth and how rats can store uh, memories of where the cheese is and pass them on our mice. Well, if we're related to mice, if our whole survival genetically was based around hiding underground, remembering where we stored the food, having these extensive labyrinths, digging tunnels um, <clears throat> you know popping out in certain spots to collect something knowing where the roots of some uh, plants are or whatever I guess collecting fungus or grubs even farming I mean, if you're living in a, uh, a winter that was caused by, um, if you're living in a winter that was caused by an asteroid strike, I suppose you'll have some kind of bugs surviving. Look at this deer. These deer know no shame. That's a pretty motley looking deer. Is it gonna jump in front of the school bus or what? I knows how to get away from a school bus. The deer look like they're not gonna molt. Their hair is all weird looking. Getting rid of their winter coat, I guess. So, I'm thinking that genetically, look at that old English 800 malt liquor. It's malt liquor, it's not a beer, it's a malt liquor. Old English. On the side of the road. We're in old English territory now. 
I've got Pabst Blue Ribbon on my mind. Just listening to the No Agenda show yesterday. I wonder if he's really drinking Pabst Blue Ribbon. So, <clears throat> this whole idea of going underground and tunneling and creating these cave systems, I think, is part of our genetic memory. Or it's a fundamental genetic program that we inherited from the mice or the ancestors of the mice. You know, people like to say, oh, we're related to wolves. Man is wolf. Well, actually, man is a mouse. Or something like it. I guess man is more of a squirrel than anything else. With their little hands. So I set the live trap out yesterday with some butter on it and the rats stole it. Today I set it out with more pieces of cheese to keep them busy in there. And the chickens were very interested in it. They wanted to go inside. I hope they don't go get inside and get stuck. But we got this family of humongous rats living in the chicken coop or under the chicken coop. And I think they're too smart for that trap, but we'll see. The rat's got oversized brains. And these are not tiny rats. These are like the size of, I don't know, a squirrel, larger than a squirrel. Big, big Mamaguchis. So, so that's it. That was my little insight for the day. Um, and that kind of gets into labyrinths and mazes and combinations, branching structures game playing, simulations, like running a maze, running a simulation, imagining if I want to get from here to here, I'll have to go through this path. Imagine if those animals started to grow and harvest plants and fungus underground to survive. Like, how would they survive? I guess also not the whole planet was affected the same.
Looks like the sharks didn't have a problem. Anyway, just some things to think about. I'm no expert on this topic. Just occurred to me that there was some connection there between men and mice and caves, underground structures. So how you guys doing? Doing well? How's the weather? I, um, I thought it's possible that no one's really, 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 really listening to what I have to say. We're down to like four or five listeners at this point. We might have two or three listeners. The rest would be bots. I guess. I don't know. But, um, it's not going to stop us because we can always get better. We can always advertise if we wanted to and find more listeners. And, you know, the shows aren't going away. And I'm still getting my walk in. Which is the stated goal of these daily walking casts. Getting the steps in. Getting some fresh air. Yeah, thinking about people who are important to me. I don't want to go into too many private details on this podcast. We have to protect the innocent, you know. Gotta protect the innocent. But I guess Well I can tell you what I worked on yesterday. Well first we're gonna talk a little bit about some personal topics, about some feelings and some human interest topics. 
listened to Arrow, and he produces a lot of short segments, and repeats himself a lot, and he rebrands the same episode under different names, and he puts advertising in, and he's quite the busy beaver, let's put it that way. And he has confidence. So I was thinking about the topic of losing, well, topic of, uh, of, uh, <sighs> I'm not sure I want to even broach this topic here on the podcast and get all depressed, but, uh, basically I was listening to Lex and he was talking about awareness of death as a, uh, trademark and he, he loves to talk about that as a trademark of our awareness and evolutionary intelligence as a driving factor and I was thinking about having everything removed from me, being stripped down, losing everything that is important, and being reduced down to nothing. And what would be left? What would be left if you give up everything? Is there not something left? Is that your soul? Is that your awareness? If you were like a shut-in, if you can't move your body, you're just stuck on some respirator machine, let's say, or worse, but still aware, let's say you still have your awareness and you still have your memory. But you can't even use your body or your body's no good. Like what's left? And I know this is a super scary thought. And, um, and knowing that you're also going to lose that, the memory and the awareness,
also, in that case, sending out a message is already too late. And really, we're getting into the realm of uh, looking death in its face, let's call it. Like the guy was talking about in the Draco podcast, going into the House of Horrors. And he came out. But in the end, all we can do, I guess is procreate genetically or create memes that infect other people or pass on whatever memes we've been working on in form of a encoding or logos. So it's a pretty uh, scary idea, but I thought I would approach it with some compassion. And I don't know why. I think that's also why what what we learned from Buddhism to realize that all life is transitory, temporary. And the Buddhist tradition also says to go visit graveyards. And I guess in the old days they would just pile bones up or leave people out for the vultures to get eaten. And he said, look at bodies decaying and being eaten up by animals. I mean, this is a couple thousand years ago. The guy couldn't even write. He would dictate to his cousin. But he said that all being is transit is temporary and it is the ultimate truth that life is suffering and then to be reborn is to suffer again and to strive to be reborn is again to re- is again to suffer. Of course, this is coming from a Hindu tradition and the idea of a cycle of rebirth. But I think of it as some kind of mathematical function. So we're going to get away from the whole emotional side of it and just look at a mathematical function whether it's an endless loop 
just doing the same thing over and over again or stopping that loop and reaching nirvana I guess the question of do you when you go against infinity do you reach a fixed point or do you go up so when x goes to infinity reaches its limit does y go up to infinity does it go to a fixed point are we stuck in this endless cycle of karma or do we go up do we realize we realize something. It's so beautiful here. It's so beautiful in this park. There's my old friend Roebling and his statue on the right who had his toes crushed by a fairy while working on the Brooklyn Bridge. Can you believe that? died from the infection because he wouldn't have it treated. What a guy. So if we look at these beautiful moments parks and green grass and trees sunlight that I'm experiencing right now is just temporary and then if we don't seek to repeat it over and over and over again to be reborn and to relive again and again I mean imagine if you could just be reborn and relive over and over and over again just creating more karma being stuck in the groundhog day if that's possible and some movies allude to that universes and so forth but what if Buddha's message is to stop the cycle to have compassion for the universe and to reach nothingness which seems to be the most scariest thing ever that is just a haunted house obviously he came back to tell us about it didn't he 
what if it's just a mental state? What if he's describing a map of his mind and some reflections on consciousness, not something universal? Because we don't know anything beyond our mind. If we just take the hardcore materialistic view of things, And even if we do know things beyond our mind, we only experience them and can talk about them through our mind and body. I talked about being the shut-in where you can't communicate. Not even blink your eye. So we can't, even if you can experience the most amazing things there, you can't communicate them. So, being able to communicate things inside of the world is just sending a message to another temporary ephemeral instance which too will pass and also the messages are temporary and ephemeral but we see that they add up over time and we have this evolution and karma, you could call it, this progression of life this biosemiotic life form that's just progressing over time this vast thing spread over the planet or the galaxy or whatever. We only know of it here. We do talk about the fungus idea, but that's just an idea. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. So in the end, we can hand me down to the next poor bastard on his one-way trip. Through various methods of attempting to stop the nothingness. says we should strive for the nothingness and the cessation of craving and peace. So that runs very counterintuitive to our idea of stacking up wealth. 
the last episode, the previous episode of Lex, he was talking about Bitcoin as the expression of life and money as the expression of life and power and freedom and speech and action all expressed in terms of money and transactions. Wow, yeah, that's some pretty deep stuff today, huh? Deep, deep, deep. Well, as I said, I think we should have some compassion and try and think about all of this without going into fear and anguish. And also, the world will continue without us. It was also fine before us. And everyone tries to make a monument for themselves, somehow, to be remembered. But those monuments are also doomed to destruct for destruction. Those graves from the 1700s and the Presbyterian Church were not built on the best stone, and even the best stone will fade. Even the CD-ROMs will crack your three-dimensional holographic glass terabyte data storage will flow and lose its structure over millions of years. I guess we could make clay tablets and stack them up, bury them underground for thousands of years. It's like, what are you doing? Well, I'm converting all my data to clay tablets, creating a cave system, and I put all the clay tablets in there so someone might decode them in the future. That's right. an earthquake comes and crushes them all.
Okay, well we've reached the bridge, which is our return. Let's check our time. 8 o'clock, 7.51, so let's head back. And we are so lucky to live next to this canal and have a park near our house multiple parks and undeveloped land so if you're looking to move somewhere make sure you you have a park near your house Anyway, any who sees. So now we're going to switch to math. I'm going to tell you about the stuff I've been working on. I'm going to try this new format where we don't, where we cover some personal topics or some, you know, human topics in the beginning. And then I give you the warning. I should uh, stop tape here and play the uh, the klaxon, the submarine, the German submarine klaxon, the dive, the dive signal. You just imagine it. I'm sure you've heard it a couple times. So, um, so I made progress yesterday. On um, reworking my Blender script, I added a so-called iso isometric triangular sphere, an icosphere, to the uh, mix. So every dot is a tiny sphere. And then I reworked the lines so they fit perfectly between the spheres. So now I have lines and spheres on a grid. And now it's time to ramp it up to modulo 900 and uh, reproduce the circular effect that I saw. And it's nice because I have each, I have each um, multiple as its own layer. So I have twos and threes and fours and so forth. So I got that going. 
making progress on Blender. I'm really learning it now. I learned how to move the camera, lock the camera to a view and float around and uh, find selected objects somehow. I think it's the dot on the, the numpad. So that's all moving along. And then I worked out a little bit more of these factorial game that we talked about. So I worked out the, um, the sphere of factorials. And it's a very small one. So the twos, the two powers of two, they go up to 256, 512, 1000, right? I think 2 to the 10th is 1024, so that's very tame. Everything else gets very big very quickly. And if you multiply across, you also get some huge, huge numbers. I think I looked at uh, 5 the powers of five multiplied, the first primes. So two to the fifth times three to the fifth times five to the fifth times seven to the fifth, two, three, five, seven, that's four. And then times 11 to the fifth. And that's already, you know, a humongous number, millions or billions. So, I'm thinking that those are our cutoff points for now. And it's going to be a curve, curved surface. Where we need a lot of space. So I try to do a layout of just all the numbers to um, to 30 and then do a prime factorization by drawing lines. So you can imagine that 2 times 3 times 5 is 30. So we could actually put that like in the center and have the 2 and 3 and 5 orbit around it with a line. And that's like the first point is, is that 2 and 3 have to be far away because there's gonna, they have a lot of common, common things going on. Right? Like 2 times 3 is 6. And 6 times 5 is 30. Well, that's what we just talked about. So we have the 30 and we have the 6 to the left of it, let's say. And we have the 2 and 3 connected. And then we bring in, we draw a line from 6 to 5 and 30. So the line goes from 6 to 30. But we can also do it three times Three times five is 15, times two is 30. 
so we could have a 15 and a 12. And we just imagine them floating somewhat near the 30, but one would be on the side, 12 would be on the side of the three and two. And then we could do five times two is 10. So we have, a tr we have three dots around the 30. You can approach it from the 10, 10 times two, 15 times, well, 15 times two, 10 times three. Or six times five. Six times five, not 12. Now 12 is where we get into the powers of two. It's four times three, or two squared times three. And two squared times three squared is four times 27, which is already off the chart. So we're gonna leave out the two squares, the squares for now. I'm just gonna explore the single single ones. So all the single primes up to 20 or up to 30 are going to pop up here or pop out. But even to go to 5 we have to pass through 4 which is 2 squared. So I imagine 2 squared as just being two lines coming from two to the four, and then other two lines from, or another line coming out, or a line coming from two to four to make eight, and then two, and 16 and 32 and so forth. I guess we can go up to 16 now. Those are the powers of two. So we're going to stop there and we're going to put a, a leaf on 16 because we're not going to multiply it by anything because it already goes over 30. But 8 times 3 is 24 and 4 times 3 is 12. So we do need to go there. And then 4 times 5 is 20, and 8 times 5 is 40, and that's already off the chart, so we're going to leave that out. So you see how we're trimming higher parts off, because we have a limit. And there's an interesting relationship between the powers the different forms of explanation and the complexity of the prime factors up to a certain point. And that's what I want to also uh, look at. I was thinking we could just do a chart of 2 squared and do a chart of 3 squared like a graph and then do a chart of two 
square. Two squared times three squared. Right? And we could graph this out all visually. Into a graph of n times m, which is your multiplication table. times two is a line, times three is another line, so each of those are lines, and we kind of went over this ad nauseum. They're just lines of, of sharper and sharper angles. I guess we don't have to graph out everything, we just have to do the primes. But really what we're trying to do here is we're trying to imagine what these are going to look like. So we're trying to exercise our visual imagination to imagine what these graphs look like, where the numbers are going to go, and see if we can solve this whole thing graphically. It kind of gets back into our mouse tunnel system, no? It's like, follow the tunnels, which is algebra, until you come out at a certain point, which is like Euclidean. The tunnels are like a hyperbolic geometry, or a different geometry. The tunnel geometry versus the plane geometry. <sighs> my phone's beeping at me. Bet you that's my kid's school. scammer. Oh, nice. So, yeah. He's got another $400 in Bitcoin he's sending me. That he, he's telling me about his Bitcoin that he withdrew from his scam. He's getting people to invest in his Bitcoin scam and he's getting a provision. That's his job, I guess. But I guess it's good for uh, someone in Cambodia.
New Jersey Geodetic Control Survey. Fine for disturbing this mark. Station number not filled in. Yeah, so don't disturb that mark. Just some survey point on the bridge or this dam here. Yeah, it's a, it's a bridge. It's a tunnel underneath the canal. They drive cars. It's pretty cool. So, where were we? So I was just doing the math. Now, I was just looking at the powers of five and um, I discovered two patterns and a possible third pattern. So the last digit always ends in five. But the last, for the powers of five, but the last four digits follow a regular pattern that repeats every four in a cycle. It's like 0625 or something like that, or 0825, whatever. It's something like that. And then there's another cycle that repeats every eight. It has eight elements and it repeats. So you have eight elements multiplied by four elements in a repeating cycle that make up the last five digits of the five series. And I might have found a 16 length 16 sequence that makes up the last the sixth digit and um, I want to apply some kind of machine learning to these numbers these number sequences to look for patterns like that and I'm thinking about how to architect it that um, I guess we would represent all the numbers in binary and we would um, have a bit, an input for each bit and we would have I guess 64 bits input and just say that's our resolution. So our input would be 64 and then we would train on I guess um, we would guess we'd have different models to guess the um, first digit or second digit or third digit so count to 10 you need six you need to count to six you need to round it off at 16 and 16 is uh, four bits so I guess we'd have four bits for each digit that would be the output and we would just train on that 
and have it predict what the digits would be for a certain sequence. And try different machine learning techniques on that. See if we can find the cycles. And really, we want to predict the next. We want to predict the next digit in the sequence. So presented with two numbers, predict the third. We'll present presented with the multiplier, like presented with the input. I don't know, one, two, three, four, five. Predict the digit. How's that? So really, we want to actually predict the actual digits themselves, so the powers of 5. We want to first train it on the powers of 5. Given some input of 64, it would calculate the power of a 5 and give us the last... How's that sound? Give us the final digits up to 64 bits. Does that sound like a plan? So the input is the the exponent, and the output is the rightmost 64 bits of the multiple. Of the exponent. Now the, the guy was saying that you don't actually need the full digit, you don't have to look at all the digits in order to calculate the, the final digit place. Like 5 times 5 is 25, so it has a 5 at the end. again. That's not good. Okay, let's check this recording. Alright, still recording. So 5 times 5 is 25. And 20 times 5 is 100. The 
and 5 times 5 is 25 again, it's 125. So you see that um, if we continually multiply it by 5, we only have to consider the rightmost digits, and we can ignore the higher part, because they don't play any role. higher parts don't play any role in the lower digits. So maybe we can just truncate and then we can determine the patterns and just keep on rolling with it. And that will also play a role in certain modulos as well. always ends in five. <clears throat> well, we can calculate the modulo up to a certain number without knowing the uh, final result. So that's kind of neat. Some kind of shift and truncate. So we've stated a problem now. And I guess we could just attack it with combinations as well. We not, not, might not even need machine learning. But it'd be interesting. see if we can have it recognize the patterns. Like have it look like a person would at this series of numbers. And then guess the next numbers. Or learn the patterns in them. Could it learn those rotating things that we found ourselves? I guess I could just train it on those patterns that I found and see what model would emerge, what models needed to train that. At least for my curiosity, I'd like to know if this works or not. Like, how do you train it? find a code and use a code, a repeating pattern, does that just turn into a bit? Is that a four deep, uh, what do they call it, recurrent network? How deep does it have to be? Like what's the right neural architecture for that?
And this kind of gets into the multiples of two. So if you just truncate it, well, the multiples of something, if you just truncate the number at a certain amount of digits and then multiply that. The current calculator is just truncate on the, on, on the right. Once you go to uh, raise to the power of 30 something, it just starts zeroing out. Like I kept on doing the five times, and you could try it. Just do five times five on your calculator. And you'll always see that pattern of 25 at the end. But, um, what if you don't? What if it changes to a zero? Then you know you have an overflow. So you can see, just count how many times you need. There's that dog again. You can just see how long it takes to overflow your calculator. And on my phone, it doesn't even give you a warning. There's no overflow warning on the, on the Android calculator. So yeah, we looked at that uh, 30 as the first step of three primes multiplied against each other. And then we would go to 30 times, well times seven, 350, or 210 as the next step of the first four primes multiplied against each other. And we could follow that as our leading point. And from a graphical perspective, I'd like to just see one line reaching out to the seven. And this whole thing could be seen as the sieve. It's another form of a sieve because you're really, um, working on all the multiples. And you can take any of these numbers and times them by two. Right? And I also worked out this thing like the um, like the Pascal triangle, but using the um, the primes and not adding but multiplying. And it creates some humongous numbers very quickly. If you just say, you know, two times three is six, right? Uh, three times five is 15. And then you do six times 15. And you keep on multiplying the numbers to two numbers ahead, above it in. It creates some humongous 
morning. We create some humongous uh, numbers very quickly. And um, if you bake, you bake those, you bake the numbers in, so. If you go to the third multi third one down the line, every time you multiply that against something, well, the two is multiplied against the two will spread out. You see. to the right. And this doesn't even include the two going to multiplied by the five directly. The two doesn't get multiplied by the five directly. But it creates an interesting triangle. It's not the Pascal triangle. It's a different triangle. And the interesting thing is, well, we could get the modulo, I think. The remainder, well, dividing it by a prime number. You could just divide that out again. Like you could divide it by two until you don't get any So you don't get, you can't divide evenly, but I think you can. I think you can. Um, we could calculate how many factors of two are in there just by counting the triangles. Because well, two will spread out in a binary tree. It'll spread out one to the right. And every time you multiply something that has two spread out into it, it'll add in another multiple of two. So you could add it, if two goes into, well, if you take three times five is 15, you multiply that times two, you get 30, right? But you've already done two times three, You've already done two times three to get um, six. So when you take six times 30, anyway, the triangle is going to grow to the uh, center with more primes being added in. It's just going to get humongous. But it's an interesting shape. And I'm sure that there's some interesting um, properties in there of just multiplying primes against each other. 
in that fashion to create like a tr pyramid structure to a certain depth and that's really going to be like the upper limit on this prime game I guess instead of um, showing them as the numbers themselves, we could just represent them as the factors. So when you do two times three, you just put two to the one times three to the one. And then if you add in the five, you say, five times three, you do three to the one times five to the one, and you multiply those two against each other, you get two to the one times three to the two times five to the one. So it's like a Pascal triangle, but using exponents, right? Then you take seven times five, which gives you 35, or 5 to the 1 times 7 to the 1. And then you multiply that into, well, what does it get multiplied into? Well, the next empty spot in the triangle take the results of the 35, the 7, times 5, and multiply that into the 3 times 5, which is 15. That's 7, 35 times 75. 35 times 15. So it's 3 to the 1 times 5 to the 1, multiplied by 5 to the 1 times 7 to the 1 is 3 to the one times five to the two times seven. And then you can multiply the two to the one times three. To the two times five. To the other one, you keep on adding these numbers together into the exponents. And you're creating a Pascal triangle with ex exponents. Instead of adding ones in, you're always adding in a prime number. So you can then add in the 11. And the, and the triangle's not going up, not growing down from one, it's growing up. It's an inverted triangle. An inverted pyramid. And it's going to get huge, but it's going to be interesting.
and you'll always see the one on the outside, just like the Pascal triangle. It's going to be like an inverted Pascal triangle. And then that kind of gets into the question of what's this next operation? Because if you can read the prime, the powers of 11 off of the Pascal triangle, what are the powers that you're going to read off of this triangle? What is the operation? The super operation. What's the name for it? I'm sure there's a mathematical name. Anyway, mathematical games and mice tunneling system. And then when we get to the tree structure, where the monkey's living in the trees, it's kind of like the same underground structure where the squirrel's living in the trees. But instead of having a tunnel system, you have trees, which are blowing in the wind. You have more complicated wave functions the trees moving over in time or with the wind and you're jumping between branches that are swinging and that is um, Okay, hold on guys. The cable came out again. So the squirrels running around trees and the mice running around tunnels is a similar structure because it's limited, it's a space limited structure with lots of branchings, lots of topology, lots of combinations. And um, so I think that the brain functions for tunnels, labyrinths, and tree branches, combinations and branches are going to be similar or natural evolution. And algebraic structures are also going to be like that, I think. Anyway, we're playing some nice math games here that we can play in our head while walking.
so that's fun. And um, you can always rewind and go back and listen. If you skip a piece, you can follow along. Just imagine these these structures with me. They're pretty neat to think of. We're building neural networks. You see, where we're accessing fundamental functions given to us by our mouse and squirrel ancestors. Which makes me think of a giant squirrel that would exist in the hyperspace of the mind, like a totem squirrel. Well, don't we have totem rats? The year of the rat? The year of the squirrel? Like the Indians, don't they have squirrels on their totems? The spirit animals? We should carve ourselves this giant totem. So to get back to this whole idea of evolution, the shamans collecting information and sharing them, creating totem animals, sharing information about them. Maybe it's compressed information. Maybe there's lessons in there that are carried on in sagas and legends. Not exactly directly rational, but something subconscious. Some kind of program passed on that's decoded over time. Maybe when you need it. Some kind of aha moment. Oh, that's what they were talking about. So then, once we have these structures, this triangular structure, let's say, as the um,
as the hierarchy. And that would mean that we're not multiplying three primes against each other directly. We're always multiplying two. So in order to multiply two primes that are one apart, you have to multiply them. In order to multiply two times five, you have to multiply two times three, and three times five, and then two times three times three times five. Because you're always going with a binary structure. going with the binary structure. So that's neat. Well, that would give some structure to the game as well. It's like you can't directly connect three. And then, well, if you wanted to get back down to three, you just divide by three. Right? in order to scale it down to reach then you're exiting the the triangle the pyramid and you're going off into a branch so in order to reach some smaller numbers you divide out again so you can go up across and then down And then you can get to 2 times 3 times 5 by going to the 2 times 3 times 3 times 5 and then dividing by 3, escaping the pyramid and creating a new branch, which would go off into the Z dimension, I guess, or some other orthogonal. And then we could put this onto some kind of hyperbolic. plane we could have as many triangles as you want attached to each other good morning Mark properties. I've never seen that sign before. Realitymark.net. View this property and thousands more at So my dad wrote to me. And he's talking about different triangles and constructing different shapes. And this kind of gets into like how many different shapes are there. Now we've noticed that all of these numbers also have triangles associated with them. 
And once I have my Blender 3D stuff going and I've visualized all of this, I'm going to create some triangles and measure the angles. And each of the multiples, I think, will have their own triangle. So we're going to get there. This is just a slow-paced process here, kids, because I'm learning as we go. And um, you're learning with me, I hope. But I think this uh, whole idea of shamanism, totems, sharing of knowledge Good morning I think it also has to do with tribal structures which are generally family structures and that the empires are built on larger than family structures. In any case, I'm going to wrap this up now, give you guys something to think about, and I'll catch you in the next episode.